My father died two decades ago. In the uh, last three years of his life, he had uh, Alzheimer's, and it was increasing uh, all the time. I used to go visit him, and I'd go into his bedroom where he's resting, and I'd say, hey, Dad, how are you today? How are things? And he says, you've got to meet my son, Father Perry. He's a wonderful priest. And I'd say, Dad, that's me. That's me. Yeah, you've got to meet my son. He just couldn't make the connection. And at first, it was so sad to me, and, and eventually I just accepted it. This was his condition, and it wasn't going to improve, and whatever, I had to deal with it. Now, that was sad, it really was, but there's something I think that would be even sadder that I can't even really imagine for myself, and that's a person who has complete amnesia, who doesn't remember who they are themselves, who doesn't remember their history, can't make any connections, just doesn't know what has happened in their life, who they are. Now, John the Baptist was exactly the opposite of that, exactly the opposite. He knew who he was. The scripture proclaims that. He knew who he was, and he also knew who he wasn't. And he also had a very, very clear purpose in life. Now, when we know who we are, we usually can also figure out our purpose. But it takes listening deep within. Now, I'm going to refer to young people, none of them who are present here, okay? This is other young people, of course. People who, uh, they're in college and they don't know what they want to do with their life. I have often said, I believe with all my heart, when people graduate from high school, they should go for two years of service into the missions. They should go somewhere else and just serve people, experience life and experience the struggles of life for others and then respond to it. They'll get some clarity about what they want to do. But I talk to college people, even sometimes their third, even their last year of college, and I say, well, what are you going to do with your life? And they say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What a dreary place to be, not know what your purpose is. But John knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He said, I have been appointed prophet to tell the world about the one who was coming, the Messiah. His whole purpose was wrapped up in pointing out the Lamb of God who came into the world, who was going to die on that cross, and you know, he didn't know all of this, but, but that's what was his purpose. But he also knew who he wasn't. He said, I'm not he. In fact, he is mightier than I, and I'm not even worthy to stoop down and undo his sandals. This was clear to John. Now, Jesus would later say about him that of all the men who have ever been here on this earth, he's the greatest man ever to this very day. But then he added this, and he said, but anyone who is welcomed into the kingdom of God is greater than John. Now, that should be startling news, and every one of you here, as well as myself, should shake a little bit because he's talking about you and me. You and I are greater than John, the one who pointed out the coming of the Messiah. said, there he is. But Jesus says we're greater because our toes have been dipped into this kingdom of God. It's alive in us. We've been anointed with the Spirit of God. We've been anointed on the inside so that the Spirit of God could seep deep into us. And then we are to live out of that 
spirit of God that dwells in us as we give it to the world. And this is our call. This, I think, helps us get an appreciation of what uh, Advent is. It's, it's a journey of time. We get these four weeks. Next week we have the pink candle, the, the, the rose-colored vestments, Leitari Sunday, rejoice because Christmas is almost here. But, but we're not going through this Advent to check it off, to say we did the four weeks, we did all our prayers, we got to all the Masses, we made a good Advent. No, a good Advent is about something inside. It's about being transformed during this journey. One of the things that helps us is the scriptures. It's a rich, rich time to reflect on the Word of God. But even that is not enough just to read it, even to debate it or say we understand it. It's about allowing that to be transformative of our lives. Yesterday we had uh, First Communion for five of the school students um, because they, they didn't all receive back in May and, and it was a real tumultuous time with COVID. So uh, we're in little batches, we, we still are finishing up. And I said to them, because I think it's really true, uh, of course we come to receive the body and blood of Christ, we receive the Eucharist. And of course Jesus is, is not physically his body and blood, but spiritually he gives himself to us. And the language and the symbol and the celebration all are wrapped around each other to powerfully communicate to us something is happening. We are, to put it, sounds crudely, but it's, it's really the most basic. We're eating and drinking Christ. He becomes our food and our drink. And, he, and that's what he wants to be. I want to get inside you. Eat me, drink me, let me in. He's pounding on the door of our heart. Eat me so that I, as your food will nourish you and give you everything that you need. He is speaking the most intimate language. Eat me so that I can get inside you. So I told the kids yesterday, I said, you know, yes, it's all about coming up and receiving the body of Christ. The priest or minister says the body of Christ. We say, amen, I believe it. We take it in our hand and then we take it in our mouth and eat it. And we think we've done it. That's the beginning. Now what is most important is how we respond to that. And we call that the encounter. The encounter with Christ. We're supposed to have an encounter. And we do that in prayer. We do it in quiet. We do that in some contemplation and meditation. Lord, come into my life. Fill me. Give me your light. Show me the way. Grace me with your spirit. Take me, Lord. Give to me everything I need. You know. I want to walk with you. Hold my hand. Show me the way, call me, send me. And, and in all of that stuff that we say and listen to within, we should be finding that our lives are being transformed and clarified for us so that we know who we are, we know who we're not, and we begin to understand our purpose. This week, three or four times I read in this, uh, the LA Times, about people taking bribes at the city, the county, the state level, um, you know, uh, across our nation. And, and, and this is a perfect case of people who, for whatever reason, either don't know who they are or have forgotten uh, what it means to live it. Listen to that first reading today from Isaiah. Um, 
And it, it says it really beautifully. Now this passage, no, I, I'm, um, this passage is saying, prepare the way of the Lord, okay? And he says this. No, I don't want that. What I want is the second reading, the letter of Peter. Talking about the second coming of Christ, being ready, be alert. Could come like a thief in the night. We don't know the day, the hour, whatever. And it'll come with, with you know, incredible signs and being dissolved in flames. Everything dissolved in flames. It's going to be completely transformative. And then it says this. Since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of, what sort of person ought you to be? What a question. What sort of person ought you to be conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion? That's who you are supposed to be. People devoted to holiness, looking for the Lord in their life. So these people accepting bribes, really? Is that who they're supposed to be? Take this money, give it to me, I want more. I'm going to lie, I'm going to cheat, whatever. That's not who we're supposed to be. We know that. So as we attempt to live out, as sinners, we trip and fall all the time, but attempt to live out who we ought to be, people living in holiness, conducting ourselves properly. A couple days ago, I, I'm, uh, when I got ordained, I went to St. Felicity Perpetua in San Marino, and the sisters that were there were the sisters of the holy name of Jesus and Mary. Great community. Most of them are retired. They're quite old. They're dying off. And, and uh, they've been a, a great community that really blessed the church, especially here in the Southland. And um, years ago, well, first of all, you may not know this about sisters, but they do this thing called a chapter. And they have a general chapter every five years. Priests and brothers do this, some of the religious, uh, uh, all the religious communities. Um, they have this general chapter, and they get representatives from everywhere in their community across the world. In this case, with the holy names, they're talking about Peru, talking about Africa, Canada, and the United States. But they're doing, they have their representatives, but they're also giving to all their members, all of the religious sisters, uh, all of the results of their deliberations in the chapter meetings. I'm an associate. They have opened the possibility, and it's to both support them, but also to connect to their charism and to their ministry. Um, associate, lay people, priests who want to walk with them. And so we get included in these deliberations and, and share in the insights and, and then commit ourselves to kind of doing what these sisters have committed themselves to. Now, about 10 years, maybe 20 years ago, um, they got a little clarity about what they were to do. Now, see, as, as the years went on, as their numbers in decreased and they were dying off and they're retiring, they couldn't run the number of schools they had. For example, the BVM sisters were here. They taught me at St. Charles, but they were here also. And it ends up with two who were here about 35 years, but that convent used to be filled with them. Eight, ten of them, I don't know how many, but, but filled with them. And it ended up down to two and then none. Both of them have since died. And that's been what has been happening. So most religious communities, as their numbers decrease, they say, well, we can't run all these schools we used to. Some have even said, you know, we need to move out of education and get into a different kind of service to the church. 
And they're always trying to clarify this. Who are we? Who are we not? And what are we supposed to do? So about 10, 20 years ago, I don't, don't remember, um, the sisters began to discern something that they needed to do to take a stand and to become involved in. And that was to become involved in standing up against trafficking. Trafficking children, especially girls, who were taken from their homes or sold by their parents to people who then transported them to other nations and then used them for sex. This is a big industry. This is a big reality out there. I think this, this community of women religious said, we stand against that. And we're going to do everything we can to let people know about this awful sin of trafficking and trying to help these poor girls that get into this, not because they choose it, but they're forced into it. They get stuck in it. So over the years, they've shared their information. And, and um, as they've begun the general chapter, they again are saying, who are we? Who are we not? And what is our purpose? But the difference is that this year I'm sharing in their general chapter and getting all this information. So yesterday I read up the first three months, October, November, and December. OMG! What incredible information and insight. Beautiful. But as I said from the very beginning, it's all now about listening deep within. Whatever resources they offer, they say, where are you in relationship with this? What's your encounter with this information? What are you hearing deep within? That's Advent. To go deep within and walk with the scriptures, walk with our celebrations of Eucharist, walk as a whole people, a whole church, saying we've got these four weeks leading up to Christmas. And if we get to Christmas and all we do is sing Christmas carols, open gifts and rejoice and say the Lord, is, the Lord has been born, hallelujah. No, what does it mean? And who are you and I now because we have celebrated again yet another Christmas? Who are we? Who are we not? And what are we supposed to be as we go through this Advent? That's my prayer for myself, for all of us, is that this Advent be the best one ever. Not Christmas. Christmas is beautiful. But the Advent, the journey, it's it's it's. The most important thing, how we get to Christmas and what happens to us along the way. And if we encounter Christ along the way, encounter grace, encounter the Spirit, we will be transformed. We will be changed. So let us, as we continue and move forward next Sunday, rejoicing with our rose colors uh, because Christmas is so much closer. Let us, even if we've had a bad start or a slow one, dig in. And every single day, Pause and do some of, uh, some of that reflection. Lord, come into my life today. Show me the way. Help me to see. Help me to hear. Where is your grace in my life? What are you asking of me? How should I change? What should I grab onto? What should I let go of? Give me some light, Lord. Help me to see.